<laughs> Thank you, New Hampshire! Hello, Nerdcasters. I'm Scott Bland, and welcome to Bernie Sanders' favorite night of the year, New Hampshire primary night. Bernie Sanders loves him a good New Hampshire primary. The energy is pretty electric right now. Politico's Holly Otterbein was at the Sanders' victory party. It's a very excited crowd here tonight. For many of them, they've been waiting to celebrate since Iowa. They felt it was denied to them um, then, and, and they're, now, they're now doing it. After beating Hillary Clinton with a resounding 60-plus percent in 2016, Sanders won more of a squeaker in this year's Democratic presidential primary. But against a more crowded 2020 field, he'll take it. And he'll also take the millions of dollars he's going to raise from enthusiastic, celebrating online donors tonight. And unlike Iowa caucus night, which, well, by now you're all familiar with what happened. That night wasn't so much like watching paint dry as watching paint spill. But on Tuesday, the New Hampshire primary generated some real events. We had some ups and some downs throughout the night. You know, I am the math guy. And it is clear tonight from the numbers that we are not going to win this race. Around 8 p.m., Andrew Yang drops out of the race. I, I was in the room when the Yang gang and the staffers kind of started to realize what was happening. Our reporter Eugene Daniels was on the story. The campaign had been having conversations about this for a while. They told me that um, they just knew that they couldn't work, make it work, and they didn't want to waste you, anyone's time. And so tonight I am announcing I am suspending my campaign for president. Thank you. I love you, too. Thank you, Angela. <sighs> wild, 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 wild night. Elizabeth Warren finished a pretty disappointing fourth place in New Hampshire, but vowed to soldier on. But our campaign is built for the long haul. And we are just getting started. Our reporter Alex Thompson was at Warren's watch party, though, and he said the mood was pretty much, screw it, let's keep going was enthusiastic actually you know people weren't sad or somber people like really cheered for her that being said the the crowd was you know a little bit thin maybe that had something to do with people really hitting up the food in the cash bar at the warren party the bar isn't open but it might as well be because people seem to be lining up trying to get as much booze as they can alex pulled aside some warren supporters to ask how they were feeling and why are you here uh, I, I supported Elizabeth Warren forever now. Um, I was out canvassing, going the whole nine yards, and yeah, I think she's the best candidate, and I'm here to support that. So that's why I'm here. And how do you feel right now? You know, a little disappointed. Some of them appreciated Warren's gracious speech congratulating her rivals. So the results are still coming in from across the state, but right now it is clear that Senator Sanders and Mayor Buttigieg had strong nights. And I also want to congratulate my friend and colleague, Amy Klobuchar, for showing just how wrong the pundits can be when they count a woman out. I like how she wasn't petty about it. It was good. It's like what you want for a president, not petty. And she's not done. Yeah, she's not done. She's definitely going to be here, and she's going to keep making waves. And that brings us to Amy Klobuchar made a real impact in New Hampshire, finishing in a surprising third place. Hello, America. I'm Amy Klobuchar, and I will beat Donald Trump. Very close to Pete Buttigieg's second place. 
I'm in the room at Pete Buttigieg's victory party, and uh, you can just feel the excitement. People are chanting, clapping, stamping their feet. You can feel the vibrations through the floor. Our reporter, Elena Schneider, told us people at the Buttigieg watch party alternated all night between cheering Boot Edge Edge and President Pete. Meanwhile, Joe Biden... He wasn't even in the state. He skedaddled hours earlier to South Carolina. Our reporter Mark Caputo was at Biden's watch party in New Hampshire where they piped in a video of Biden thanking supporters. Though it's called an election night party, it really isn't much of a party at all. No one's really happy with the results of his big loss here. South Carolina is the state where Biden feels he has a firewall thanks to his strong African-American base in polling over the past year. We are recording this in the wee hours of Wednesday, February 12th. A little after midnight, around an hour after the primary was called in New Hampshire in favor of Senator Bernie Sanders with Pete Buttigieg close behind in second place. And with me to break it all down, got Steve Shepard, another politics editor here at Politico. Steve, welcome. Hello, Scott. Let's talk Bernie Sanders. How'd he do it? What was the coalition he pulled together to win again in New Hampshire? Well, it looks a lot like the coalition that he's always drawn from, uh, only in this case it was a lot smaller. With winning only roughly 25, 26 percent of the vote, it was young voters, uh, the, t- the types of people that he packs in at college campuses when he uh, uh, campaigns around these states, including New Hampshire in the final days of the campaign. He won about 51 percent of voters under the age of 30, according to the exit polls. It is also the most liberal voters in the race. Among the roughly 20 percent who describe themselves as very liberal, he won 48 percent of the vote among that cohort. When you look at how crowded this race is and how many candidates there are, if you have these 20 percent chunks where you're capturing half of them, that right there is 10 percent. That, that is a, a big chunk of voters uh, that you have banked and and dedicated support that other candidates just don't have. And speaking of banked, the thing that stuck out to me is that according to the exit poll, people who decided before the year 2020 started, overwhelmingly Sanders supporters. And so it, this is really a core group that he's had with him for a long time. And he was able to build a little bit on top of it over the last uh, month or so uh, as, as he kind of started to gain some momentum. But that, um, you know, I think I think that kind of tells the story right there. Those those factors working in concert with each other. Now, you mentioned, we've we mentioned Sanders winning with about a quarter of the vote. Obviously, if you've got a primary candidate, if you've got someone winning an election with a quarter of the vote, obviously, there's a lot of other stuff going on there. A lot of things getting split many different ways. So let's talk about what happened with the other candidates. The next set of finishers, we had Pete Buttigieg close behind in second, and then Amy Klobuchar bumping way up into a close third after she ran fifth in Iowa. Yeah, a, another strong performance by Pete Buttigieg in one of these early states, uh, and a, a surprising third place finish for Amy Klobuchar, who you mentioned was fifth in Iowa, was fifth in all the polls in New Hampshire until the final weekend. And I think you talked about those late deciders. Amy Klobuchar won voters who said they decided in the last few days. She won voters who said the debate on Friday night in just outside Manchester was very important to them. Uh, that was a really strong debate performance for her. Uh, and she might have taken a chunk out of Pete Buttigieg because that was one of the candidates she went after on the debate stage. Uh, that's what propelled her to to that third place finish. I just I have to say, when you look at their respective coalitions, though, 
There are some key differences, even if we think they both occupy that moderate lane. And indeed, among voters who said they were moderate, they were basically uh, tied for first place among the, the, those voters. Uh, but Pete Buttigieg is more acceptable across ages. He does pretty well among young voters, a little bit better among older voters, but still was the second choice among young voters. Amy Klobuchar is not on the radar for young voters, at least Much in New Hampshire. Much more concentrated. Among those yeah. older voters. And I think that's where she drew a lot from Joe Biden, who collapsed into fifth place uh, on, on Tuesday night. I think a lot of his voters, the people who throughout the, uh, all the polls leading up to uh, the start of voting uh, last week in Iowa, older voters were with Joe Biden. Uh, the more they've seen of him the more they've been peeled away. And I think in New Hampshire, based on that late momentum, that was to Amy Klobuchar's benefit. And now one other candidate we should mention. We've gone one, two, three, and fifth now. Fourth place, Elizabeth Warren from neighboring Massachusetts. Not what she was looking for there. Not what she was looking for. She tried to be the unity candidate in this race, talked about, I can bridge the gap between the liberal wing of the party and the moderate wing of the party. When you look according to ideology, she won about 13% of liberal voters. That was behind Pete Buttigieg uh, in third place. She only won 3% of moderate and conservative voters. Uh, that is a, a, an exceedingly difficult needle to thread. Uh, and this, you mentioned a neighboring state, this is a place she really needed to thread it and didn't. And so we'll see if she's able to recover going into Nevada, uh, a state where she spent uh, a, lot of, a lot of time and, and invested some resources uh, and really needs to, to turn things around there. Yeah, so that kind of brings us to to the next thing. You know, what what does it all mean, right? Uh, the I mean, the the thing that that strikes me from all this, and you know, there, there's going to be a lot of conversation. There's already a lot of debate going on that we saw tonight about, uh, you know, how how much of a win did Sanders really get, having won with sixty percent in 2016, down to about a quarter this time. Uh, the one thing that he's definitely getting out of this, there's a ton of money flying into his campaign right now. I'm obsessed with watching the the the, the Act Blue tracker, the the little ticker on the front page of the the website of the Democratic donation processor, and it was just flying like immediately starting after the network started to call for him, and especially during his uh, his victory speech. And th- so that that's going to play a big role in the campaign going forward, even even if no matter how skeptical someone might be about the size of his victory. Yeah, the size of his victory, his margin of victory over Hillary Clinton in 2016, roughly 22 points, was almost as large as his vote share uh, on (laughs) Tuesday night, about 25 or 26 points as they continue to to finish counting the votes. Um, But you know, our our friend and colleague, Tim Alberta, says that like momentum is the currency of campaigns right now. I saw him tweeting that earlier. Currency is also the currency of campaigns. Absolutely. (laughs) And, And his campaign is built to last. You know, four years ago, he was going up against a behemoth in Hillary Clinton's campaign. That's not the case this time. Now, Pete Buttigieg has uh, has been exceedingly well-funded since his rise last year. Uh, and Amy Klobuchar, by all accounts, is bringing in a lot of money now. Uh, the one problem is, though, if they are the two candidates with that momentum, if that is currently the currency now going into Nevada and South Carolina, those are states with more diverse electorates. And these are the two candidates in the quote-unquote moderate lane who have thus far not shown that they can appeal to uh, non-white voters. Potentially uniquely unsuited to appeal. In some ways, if if you are a a moderate Democrat who was hoping that uh, running elections in more diverse states would be the kryptonite for Bernie Sanders, these are probably the two candidates you would least like to have (laughs) as your standard bearers for that lane of the party. So they have a big challenge ahead of them in the next week and a half. 
uh, beginning with the candidates heading out to Nevada this weekend for campaigning. Uh, it's certainly going to be exciting to watch. And then we've got uh, Warren uh, put out this memo earlier on Tuesday kind of arguing that she's going to stay in, that she has the broadest base of support. I don't know when those numbers are, are coming from, but but the New Hampshire finish is definitely seems like a big red flashing warning sign. And then we got Joe Biden entrenching in South Carolina, including before the polls even closed in, in New Hampshire. If there was ever a tell that Joe Biden was going to finish in fifth uh, in Tuesday's primary, it was late Tuesday morning when uh, we all received the same email in our inboxes that said that Joe Biden would not be attending his victory party in Nashua, New Hampshire, but instead traveling to Columbia, South Carolina during the day and appearing there uh, during the New Hampshire primary. Uh, he was, he was in, you mentioned entrenching. I, I, that is, it's no longer, South Carolina is no longer Joe Biden's firewall. It is his last stand. Mm. Anything else we're missing? I don't know. Should we pour one out for the people who dropped out? <laughs> Michael, Michael Bennett, Andrew Yang, we hardly knew you. Michael Bennett and Deval Patrick perhaps tomorrow. Maybe we'll see him in 2024. <laughs> Maybe not. Who knows? Steve, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to walk through all this uh, a little bit after midnight here at Politico World Headquarters. My pleasure. All right. That's going to do it for our election night special show. Got a regular episode coming up for you later in the week. So keep an eye out for that as usual. Our producer is Annie Reese. Our senior producer is Jenny Ament. And our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Our illustrator is Bill Cookman. If you're listening to the Nerdcast on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and leave a review. It helps new listeners find the show. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Friday. So which podcast is this? Uh, Politico Nerdcast, I think.